Hi, my name is Patrick Ray, the writer-director of They Wait in the Dark, and you're listening to Horror Squad Podcast. Horror Squad podcast episode number 265. Tonight we're talking about So I Married an Axe Murderer in honor of Valentine's Day, which is tomorrow as of our recording right now. I'm going to co-host Todd. We have Joe and we have Steve. And Steve, who we have for an interview? So we have an interview with Patrick Ray, who is the writer director of They Wait in the Dark, which is a brand new movie that just came out on VOD. If you want to hear my thoughts about it, I actually talked about it on my What Watch last week. Uh, we got the interview like right after we recorded the episode. So figure why not? A really cool guy, very interesting interview. And that movie is kind of a low budget film. And it's interesting for him to say like of the some of the problems they had because it was a low budget film. For example, uh, the most of the movie takes place in the abandoned house. And apparently they were renovating it as they were filming. So they'd come in and say, okay, well, we're doing a kitchen tomorrow. So they had to film all their kitchen scenes like right before they renovated and make it look nice. So it's interesting stories he had. That's at the end of the episode. And what was the title for that movie again? They Wait in the Dark. Sweet. Mm -hmm. Well, we had Super Bowl. Yes, we did. (laughs) (laughs) What happened with that? Go Chiefs. Um, <laughs> the refs apparently um, decided that they wanted to pick the Super Bowl winner this year. And I am all for it because yeah. it was a really good, despite me not liking both teams, that was a really great game until the final like minute and a half where they just let them play, man. Just let them play. Unless it's like crazy, like an obvious foul. But geez, dude, decide the game because of that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but speaking of Super Bowl, <laughs> You guys know what's coming. Finally, the Chiefs have fucking, you know, made me win after two straight, two years. The past two years they were in it, they made me lose. So I picked something extra special for both of you uh, this time as a punishment film. Each each of you are going to get something different because I like to kind of suit it for your taste and everything. So we're going to start with Joe. Joe, I'm going to give you something that I watched very recently. Actually, I watched with... Uh, people from our discord because i had nothing to do one night and i figured let's check something out and it's in support of one of your good buddies this is damien maffey's very first starring role in a movie called closed for the season uh which you can find over on tubi so lovely <laughs> love well i mean since damien's in it um looking forward to it i guess uh yeah. it's a just, very just, typical just damien to see him in it. yeah <laughs> just to see him in it alone that's oh, a bit of a treat, I guess. Here's a, here's a snapshot for you, Joe. It's a 2.3 on Letterbox, and Cody, half star. Steve, half star. <laughs> Chuck, one star. So, oof, brutal. All right. Well, I'll message Damien, and I'll let him know uh, that I, someone picked it as a punishment movie and see what he his thoughts are on uh, that movie. He's very honest, I will say, with his movies, so... Um, I'll, I'll try to get his thoughts for next week on his experience with that movie. I, I love that on Letterboxd, a quarter of the reviews are from our podcast, <laughs> and they're all unfortunately all negative. But so, yeah, we can, he can blame us for the low score on that movie. All right. Well, I on my what watched, I was the third person to write the re- a review for my one of my what watch movies this week. So I was very excited about that. Oh, so yeah. there's only three, three reviews on Letterboxd. <laughs> I love doing that. Like I love finding movies that 
I'm either the only one or the first one or in the first like five. Yeah, it's always a, it's usually a bad thing, but <laughs> still an honor. And Todd, oh boy, Todd, oh, you, no. you you fucked up by picking oh, no. uh, Philadelphia. So <laughs> you made fun of me for watching this, I think last week, which oh, put it no. into my head. And I feel bad that I'm the only person who's seen this. So I figure I need someone to share the pain with. So, oh, yes. Todd will be watching another versus movie, not Jesus, uh, Freddy versus Jason, but Trump versus the Illuminati. Oh, no, wait, why? <laughs> Which I had, to, I had to suffer through. So I think uh, you it's didn't only have fair. to. You did I, didn't, I didn't have to, but <laughs> dang it, one point four. Oh my god. <laughs> so oh, my it, word. enjoy that, buddy. It's uh, it's at least yours is like an hour. Joe's <sighs> is like fucking seven years to watch that one. So. It's a long fucking movie, close for a season. Besides the two people that obviously worked on this film on Letterboxd giving a five-star review, the highest review is a two. So, oof. I don't know if Femmer gave it a half-star or a one-star. It's probably a half-star for me. You you gave it a a half. Yeah. It deserves deserves a half. Damn it. So, enjoy your punishment. That's uh, what you get for picking the Eagles. All right. Well, I'll be in six months. So I'll be sure to <laughs> share my review, just like exactly. I did with Pappy's Graveyard. So it'll take you six months to fucking watch this movie. <laughs> How long is it? Is it like two hours? Yeah, it's like an hour and fifty minutes. But oh. man, you will feel it every second of that's, it. Yeah, that's a punishment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, anything new other than that with you guys? It's a Valentine's Day week, so anything fun planned? Indeed. Um, no, we uh, we actually celebrated over the weekend. Just went out to a nice dinner. Nothing really spooky or horror related there. Yeah, just simple, simple, effective, enjoyable. Did you guys do that thing you always do with that? No, the anti Valentine's tour. No, don't you guys get a, the hotel downtown? Oh no, we didn't actually. No, we didn't do that this year. No, we just decided to save money. And and not do that. So yeah, we nice. we just went out to a fancy fancy dinner, and then yeah, just came back here and we watched something. I don't even remember what, but you know, we watched. So I married an axe murderer together though. Oh, so did you? I can share. Sandy. There she goes. There she goes again. Oh God. <laughs> what about you guys? Anything planned? Nothing. Nothing for me. I'm wifeless still. So. Uh, what about you steve uh yeah so it was actually my wife's birthday today the day we're recording so it's like a double thing so we had a like a party for her and stuff on saturday and then we uh just you know had dinner last night and you know ordered over from a restaurant stuff and watch movies so nothing too too crazy Um, happy birthday to her i'll let her know Uh, i did have a hell of a wake up though this morning a house five minutes away from me blew up and it was 6.15 in the morning when that happened. It was a house that had nobody in it. It was uh, under construction and the gas line blew up. And I I thought, so, like, you know, because it's winter here, I get a service to plow my, like, my driveway and stuff. I thought the plow, like, rammed my house because the entire house, like, shook, like, and a big bang. It was crazy. Just, wow, what a way to wake up on a Monday morning. <laughs> But I'm far enough that it didn't really do anything. Just really a loud noise. It was, it was crazy. Apparently, I saw I saw videos online. It, it like the house blew up. It was insane, like a movie. Good times. 
Wild. What do you guys? So speaking of the Super Bowl, what do you guys think of the commercials? Any any uh, favorites that that stick out in your head? No, but you guys saying stuff might refresh my memory. <laughs> um, well, one of them for me that stood out is that a lot of Americans learned that football was invented in Canada. <laughs> no, nah, bro, a, that's that's some bullshit. It's ours. A, a Dave Grohl uh, commercial, okay. I, I believe, that did that one. I also really liked, so I'm not a big fan. I don't like Ezra Miller and you can listen to my other podcast. It loves a few geek and gaming podcast as to why, but seeing fucking Mike, Michael Keaton, Batman in was just, oh man, goosebumps. So that's probably my two highlights. Yeah, that was cool. I wasn't expecting that seeing Michael Keaton, Batman and the Batmobile original and stuff. So that was, that was really awesome. Boston was on full display, got a couple of commercials in there good sam adams one and ben affleck dunkin donuts one so those ones were pretty fun and yeah i don't know i did i had read there was a scream six trailer but i must have missed it because i totally did not see it i don't think so no i didn't see yeah. that we would have seen on bloody disgusting today i know they released a bunch of posters mm-hmm. of basically the whole cast pretending like they could be ghostface you know mm-hmm. holding a knife and stuff but no i don't think that there was a trailer or even a teaser yeah, there, nothing really horror I can even think of besides horror adjacent. The Undertaker was in a commercial. Yeah, The Undertaker was in it. <laughs> and uh, Will Ferrell did a play on Army of the Dead. Oh, uh, with the zombies? Yeah, that Street one was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, liked, a, I enjoyed that one. Yeah. That's about all the horror that I know they're saying. Oh, and uh, that movie, like 65, which I guess is horror adjacent as well. The one that's that pretty uh, cool. Adam Driver. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Nice. All right, folks, you want to get into some horror news? Let's do it. All right, let's get into horror news this week. And the biggest story that has come out recently is we are going to be getting a new I Know What You Did Last Summer movie. And of course, no surprise, everyone's favorite word, the requel of I Know What You Did Last Summer, as it is being reported that Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr. are going to be coming back to reprise their roles for this new movie. Um, The project's still in very early development. Jennifer Robinson has been brought in to direct the film, credited for Do Revenge, not something I'm too familiar with. It sounds like, obviously, they're taking the trendy legacy sequel you know a la halloween and scream so yeah i mean i don't know what do you got what do you guys think about this i i just watched the, the all of them a few months ago not that long ago I, I i just don't like that series you know it's not one of my favorite series so seeing a requel of it is not very exciting to me at all great that they got you know the cast back and everything but i don't care didn't they have a TV series too? Like, or they still have? I have no idea. At some point, yeah, they, it, they did. It got it got canceled. I think after the one season, Sam, I think watched it. I can't remember if she liked it or not, though. But yeah. boo! <laughs> That's all I got. That's all you got. All I'll right. watch it if we uh, if we're forced to watch it. Yeah, I think we'll definitely end up having to cover this since we've covered all of the other ones. We did. Uh, that was. I think she. I think that was Sam's last episode. She uh, ever did. We did. I know she did last summer one and two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we didn't do three, but three had nothing to talk about. So. Yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah, I mean, I think we'll definitely cover it. I agree. Like, I don't really care, but I'm somewhat, I guess, excited because, like, you know, the legacy characters are coming back. But will it be good? Probably not, because I agree with Steve. This franchise isn't 
all that memorable, honestly. I don't know why there's so much love for it, really. I get, I think it's more because of the cast, right? Like, it had Sarah Michelle Gellar, Ryan Philippe, uh, and a bunch of hotties, dude. All, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was like very, Brian, very 90s. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. What are you waiting for? <laughs> all right. Well, the next big piece of news is in Dexter news, as uh, the network has ordered an origin story prequel, as well as a uh, spinoff, I believe, as well, about the Trinity Killer, if I'm not mistaken. Steve, he's shaking his head, so I assume so. So the origin story will be set uh, in Dexter's hometown of Miami. It will touch on stories of real-life serial killers of the time period. And then the origins will dramatize young Dexter Morgan at the outset of his transition into the avenging serial killer. He would become set in the Miami that was a hotbed of real serial kills of his time. The show will begin as Dexter graduates college to join Miami Metro, where he meets younger versions of many of the characters we came to know in the original show. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm personally not the uh, uh, Dexter watcher. I, I you know, I, I can't say I'm not like a, a fan per se, because I've never really gave it a, sh- a shot. But yeah, I don't know. I Steve, Todd, uh, yeah. I know Steve's a big Dexter fan. What, do you, how you, what are your feelings on uh, uh, these two new Dexter shows? So there's actually three new Dexter shows. Um, three? Know if, right. Yeah, uh, they're also doing a sequel to like a okay. continuation of Dexter, which is going to be focused on his son, Harrison, who's just going to essentially continue his dad's legacy and uh, presumably become a serial killer as well. So three new Dexter shows that we're getting. I, you know what? I really, really like the Dexter series, despite its really terrible ending the first time. Second ending was not as bad when they redid it like last last year. The only problem is without Michael C. Hall, it's just not Dexter to me. You know, it's like to me, Harris without Harrison Ford, it's not Indiana Jones. And you know, it's just that's kind of the problem that I don't see any of these shows really succeeding if they don't have Michael C. Hall in it. And they can't be for the college years because he's gonna be too young. Trinity, he only meets him like right at the end of his life, so it wouldn't feature him either. I don't know, like, and Trinity's one of those things, like, it's cool because he was a serial killer for one season, but I think the little we know knew about him was actually better because then he was more mysterious and stuff like that. It's a whole show about him. I don't know. It's, I'll, I'll try him, I guess, but I'm not that excited about him. I thought we had an origins already in the original Dexter series where, you know, his dad figures out he has homicidal tendencies and teaches them so i don't know what we're getting it this. doesn't go up until when he started really at metro it was more about his childhood but yeah I so I, I guess that's what they're going for is when he first started his job mm-hmm. is uh the lat the newest season the last one is it worth it steve i would yeah especially yeah. to fucking take that bad taste out of your mouth Ugh, from the, the, the original one yeah so the hurricane one. and it's got clancy brown as the villain and i oh, fucking nice. i love clancy brown and what he does is fucking creepy so yeah i'd say it's worth at least a watch all righty awesome we'll keep you guys up to date on anything new dexter we hear next bit of news here a little bit of uh exciting tease i suppose for our upcoming west craven retrospective series that are we going to be coming out with uh sometime this summer swamp thing is being redeveloped by james gunn and dc studios the upcoming movie is going to investigate the dark origins of swamp thing with various other DC characters joining him in the film. This will be a much more horrific film, but we'll still have Swamp Thing interact with other characters gun-teased during the massive unveiling 
at a recent press conference. Now, Swamp Thing, as of late, not been the most successful franchise. They tried it, of course, the TV series with Derek Mears. That was very short-lived. I don't even think they finished the entire season of that. It might have got dumped. I'm not sure. But yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? James Gunn taking over Swamp Thing? Good idea? Sure. I, the Wes Craven one, right? Didn't you mention that? That that one's terrible. I don't know when the last time you guys saw that one was, but holy crap, that movie's bad. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that's actually my next on my uh, on the docket for uh, Wes Craven movies. It's, it's awful, man. Um, yeah, I'm sure. So yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I like James Gunn's style. They just did Man-Thing over at Marvel in Werewolf by Night, and that was really fucking cool. So they can definitely do Swamp Thing as well. And I thought the show was actually pretty good. I think just people didn't give it a shot because it's such an obscure character. So yeah, I'd, I'd totally be down to see a Swamp Thing uh, movie from James Gunn. The only problem is, and this is a kind of a more of a DC problem, is that I find he's taking on too many projects right now. And if you take on too many projects, I just feel that at some point he's going to crash and burn. So I think he should probably give this to someone else. But if he does it himself, cool, because he's a pretty good horror director for the ones he has done. Absolutely. I get What intrigued me most, I guess, in this write-up was that they planned on bringing other DC characters into the universe. Which characters would be a good fit for that? Uh, you know, you guys, Steve, you're more of the comic book guy. I mean, what, what do you think? What would you know, be involved? Uh, I, I think it would be some of the more obscure dark characters. Like, I don't know if DC also has Dracula and some of the, like, werewolves and because I know Marvel does. They have like a Dracula comic. They have a werewolf comic. And I think, I think DC did something similar. So I would expect it to be kind of along those same lines as, like I said, Werewolf by Night, which had it been a full length movie as opposed to a 15 minute movie, would have ended up being my number one film of 2022. So uh, I really like that one. So people should check that out to get an idea of what maybe they expect for Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. All right. Next bit of news. File this one under seven to 10 years too late, but production has finally begun on Blumhouse's Five Nights at Freddy's. The movie is going to be starring Matthew Lillard, Josh Hutcherson, and Mary Stuart Masterson with Emma Tammy, who directed The Wind, a horror movie some of you guys might have seen from a few years ago. That one was actually not bad, but quite a different take compared to uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. That one's more of a, I guess, A24-esque type movie there. So I'll be interested to see what she does with this one. Interestingly enough, too, Jim Henson's Creature Shop is going to be creating the monsters for this movie. So that should be pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. You guys excited for this one? Well, you nailed it. I think that was really big with my kids about six years ago. So similar with that Slenderman movie that came out, you know, five or so years ago, where they missed the mark like by years and no one cared at that point. But Matthew Lillard, dude, if he brings that energy, dude, like, whew, I, I would love to see him in a movie where he turns it back on. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's too late. You know, it's like that Tiger King movie that came out not too long ago. Nobody watched it because no one gave a shit because it's too late. You know, that 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 wave is gone. And I think it's the same thing with Fernando Freddy. Yes, I just don't see Unless they do something really fucking cool and unique, they have a uphill battle, if you ask me. Yeah, I, you know, I'd be interested to see if they're going to go like full-fledged horror with this one or if they're going to kind of make it a family-friendly type thing. I'm assuming they'll probably make it like a PG-13 style horror movie, but hey, could surprise us. We'll see. All right, next bit of news here is... Damien Leone, who, of course, we had on recently uh, for Terrifier 2. Well, 
big news for him. You know, with the success of Terrifier 2, some doors have opened for him, and he currently teased that he is developing a brand new original project with Ghost House, House Pictures, Sam Raimi's production company. So big, big news for him. He's not, he didn't tease exactly what the movie is going to be about or anything like that. But, you know, they are in talks right now to develop a new movie for, uh, with him. Of course, he's also currently writing Terrifier 3 as we speak. So uh, some big, big stuff coming up for Terrifier 2's Damien Leone. So good luck to him. We wish him nothing but the best. Next bit of news here. Did you guys watch the light, uh, Let the Right One In television series over on Showtime? No. No. All right. Well, no one did apparently because it has been canceled after one season. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, the sh- movies, both movies, I think were actually really good. I don't know why this one failed. I there, guess there are too many fucking TV shows on television. That's, yeah, that's well, why that I failed. Too, yeah. if, you're not, if you're not fucking top, top tier, your show is just not going to make it in this market anymore. Yeah, very true. Very true. Yeah. I mean, last, I just, I'm caught, I finally caught up with The Last of Us and my God, what a great show that has been. That's a good Um, one. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So definitely check that out if you haven't yet. All right. Just a couple more pieces of news to get through here. Screenbox recently announced they're going to be releasing a documentary on Robert England, not the one Todd was trashing on, the Fred Heads documentary from a few weeks ago when we reported on that. This one is going to cover the career and life there of we Robert go. That's England. what we want to see. There we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that will be coming out. Not No ex- release date yet, but it is going to be coming out very, very soon. Um, but they are going to go over anything and everything. And they're also going to have interviews with a lot of horror icons, Lynn Shay, Eli Roth, Kane Hodder, Tony Todd, Adam Green, Bill Mosley, Heather Langenkamp, and much more. So check that out on Screenbox sometime this year. And the last bit of news here is follow this one under just remember this name, The Occupant. The Occupant right now is a massive There is a massive bidding war going on with the script for this movie. It is a 39-page haunted house story. All of the major studios currently are in a bidding war for it. Um, There have been at least six different bids that have come in with and also some of the big names in the genre so obviously you would think Blumhouse, Ghost House Pictures, whatnot. But The Occupant was written by Victor Sweester and the story is of a 100-year-old Victorian home offered up for free with the caveat the new owner has to be put on a flatbed has to put it on a flatbed and move it from the lot it occupies the story begins cleverly with text back and forth between a husband and wife who cannot get over their good luck to be chosen to take the house naturally we learn there's no such thing as a free house so just follow that one they're saying you know that one could be the next big thing in horror the occupant and finally tonight a rest in peace to actor and stuntman george p wilbur of course he played most famously michael myers in halloween part four and also in halloween six so rest in peace george p wilbur he was 81 years old and that will Yes, and that is it for hard news this week. Question, when was the last time we got like a solid just ghost house movie, like haunting movie? Would it be... The Conjuring? Conjuring, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like but that's... Two. 
that's guess. still like a while ago. <laughs> yeah, so yeah that was a serious like ghost house. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't um, know why um, I didn't think of conjuring. <laughs> you know, I get like haunting of Hill House. And, yeah. Yeah, haunting hell house for a TV show. Who's that? Yeah, show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, uh, first, oh. can't, can't forget. Oh. A little coffee break. Oh. And of course, <laughs> when we do that, means it's our ad for Deadly Grounds Coffee. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. How do you guys take your coffee? Like lots of cream, black. sugar, black? Black. black? No, I, I put a little bit of uh, milk and a little bit of sugar. Just a little bit? Dude, I'm fucking making that shit almost white. cream put in there a little french vanilla yeah 90 percent of the time i go black and then once in a while i'll get something like like a specialty drink from like starbucks or something like that yeah cool all right what watched do it yes sir i feel like i have to defend skinamarink slightly here uh i finished it and uh, i won't go into what it's about um because we everyone's been talking about it's like it's a hot topic for the last two two and a half weeks or so Long story short, I did not hate it as much as Steve, and I liked it a little bit more than Joe did. And you know what? This movie had the makings of being a really fucking cool movie. There were scenes that I thought were generally terrifying, like some of the voice work was really cool. Like there's a scene where the de- demonic presence or whatever tells the boy to put the knife in your eye. And I'm like, that's fucking demented. And there's some other voice stuff like that just coming off screen. And then also too, I felt like at times it did a really good job of putting you in the child's perspective i think the camera angles really played with that but unfortunately oh and the bedroom scene was really cool too where the dad's been missing for 40 minutes and then you see him sitting there and like and he's like look under the bed you're like don't look under the bed kid but unfortunately man for like every cool scene we got which you know two or three solid scenes we have just stupid artsy bullshit of looking at like a lego or the same cartoon over and over again or like uh, the corner of a wall and it sucks because like there's some really cool groundwork done with like items being stuck to the walls and the ceiling and stuff like that. And like I mentioned before, the off off screen voices, but it just never got there. Like I thought at times it would get like, oh, we got momentum. Let's keep it going. Let's keep ramping it up, ramp it up, ramp it up. But unfortunately, it would have a scene where you're like, fuck yeah, let's go. And then it drops back to the boredom. And I think that kills the movie. I would be definitely interested in seeing what this director does in the future. I did look up his um, filmography, and I think it's a short film that's like very similar to this one. So this might be like his calling card, kind of like artsy, different, whatever. But unfortunately, this overall is a miss. But I can see potential in the filmmaker. So that's uh, Skinner Marink. I give it a two out of five on Letterboxd. Very nice. I also gave it a two out of five. So there we go. Well, we liked <laughs> it equally then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I basically like echo everything you just said on that movie too. All right. My first one tonight is from 1986. It is part of my Wes Craven retrospective going into it. Um, I watched Deadly Friend. Now, I was really excited to watch this one because... I had seen a lot of people say it was similar to Megan in a lot of ways, like that Megan borrowed heavily off of this one. 
I don't know if I would a hundred percent agree with that, but you know, I, I, I could see, I guess why some people might think that, but yeah, this one is about a young man who he, I believe he gets like a scholarship, you know, to come to this school. He's like, basically like a, a genius, sort of a, a genius, you know, a teenager genius. And he moves in to this new town cause he gets this scholarship. Um, he has this robot that he built and whatnot um, named BB. Did they steal this Star Wars still at BB-8? Maybe. I don't know. Can't confirm nor deny. We'll have to see when the lawsuit is done. Yeah. I'm gonna, fine. They're going to lose to Disney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so he builds this robot and stuff like that. He kind of is introducing this robot to his neighborhood and stuff like that. And then he meets the girl next door, played by Christy Swanson. You know, they kind of have this cute little, you know puppy love relationship type thing but we come to find out that her the the father is very protective very abusive and one night they get in an argument he pushes down the stairs and kills her and then the boyfriend character whatever you want to call him our main character ends up so distraught over this that he decides to put the chip from the robot into her to try to save her life and from there, we like it's just us following uh, this character taking care of this thing he's created, sort of a Frankenstein esque, you know, uh, girl. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much the movie. I ended up actually really enjoying this one for what it was. You know, it's very 80s, no doubt about that. I don't know if it was filmed where they filmed. The burbs, but the set does not, the set looks exactly the same. Uh, Steve, you're shaking your head. Is that it, is that where it, they filmed it? it? it no, I, I'm not sure if it is, but it looks very much like a lot of suburban films. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it reminded me a lot of the burb when they filmed this. But it's yeah, I mean, it's, it feels very like small town and stuff like that. I really liked Christy Swanson in this. I thought she gives a pretty good performance. Yeah, I mean, the movie's kind of all over the place. You know, like I said, it's kind of like. It's part like robot movie. And then I thought it was going to be a robot movie for a lot of time. And then the robot ends up disappearing. And then, yeah, it's like a zombie Frankenstein mix. So there's kind of, there's a lot going on here. And I've, I'm starting to learn this more uh, with Craven movies I'm watching is that he took risks. Like he does, every movie is very different than the next. You know, he's definitely not a one trick pony. So, uh, you know, I'll give him props for that. What I found really interesting in this movie is that this movie was had a lot of studio interference as well. Um, Craven actually did not even want this to be a horror movie, but the studio uh, made him make it a horror movie and they ended up doing like a bunch of reshoots and stuff like that. And it definitely shows. You know, this definitely wasn't his full vision, but for what it is, I think it's it's a it's a pretty solid movie. It's very entertaining. I was never really bored by it or anything like that. And honestly, like I was ready to rate this like a four out of five on Letterboxd, but then the ending was so fucking like out there and stupid. Like it was definitely like it had to have been studio like interference. It was like, all right, we gotta like throw this in at the end or something like that. But it was so fucking dumb um, that like I just laughed. I'm like, what the fuck was that? And they're like, maybe it's not the studio because Craven does that with like after watching um you know Nightmare on Ending and Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, Deadly Blessing. There's just some weird shit. I, I don't know why he does it, but yeah, we'll get into it more when we do our Craven retrospective later. But overall, I thought this was a pretty fun watch. I give it a th- uh, I gave it a three and a half over on Letterboxd out of five all right my first one this week is a movie i watched over on tubi and depending on which territory you're in it's either called final prayer or the borderlands so it's one of the two so this movie is a found footage movie and basically there's 
weird shit like paranormal stuff that's been happening at a church and they recorded it they sent it to the vatican and the vatican sends uh, a technician a, a vatican investigator and a priest to go determine whether or not it's actually a miracle or just another hoax. So the story follows the three characters as they go to this church with their camera equipment and try to figure out whether the the paranormal events that are happening in that church are real or not. So that's basically the gist of the story. Uh, this marries two things I really love about horror. I like found footage films and I love religious horror. So I was like really psyched to watch this. I don't even remember who recommended this to me, but someone did at some point because I put it on my watch list on Letterboxd and uh, it was all right. I, I think the movie for the most of it is actually really good. And I was really, really interested to find out what was happening. There were some really scary fucking scenes in this too, which I, I really loved. And when it's found footage, I tend to get more into it, into the scares because it just seems like more real, even though I know it's not. But unfortunately, I find that the ending left a little bit to be desired. It was a little too crazy and a little too, like, quote-unquote fake, you know? But I think it's still a, a fun movie to watch. If you like found footage or religious films or both, like in my case, I think you should at least check this one out at least once because it is still a pretty good movie. So that's uh, Final Prayer slash The Borderlands on Tubi, which I gave three out of five stars on Letterboxd. Lastly, I uh, rewatched AVP Alien versus Predator from 2004. You know, long story short, man, Antarctica, there's a, a old pyramid discovered by Wayland Hutani. Um, so they go over there to fucking investigate because they want to be the first there and all that crap. So we learned that the predators uh, use Earth as a hunting world. Every hundred years or so, they come back to Earth and they, you know, start things up again. But unfortunately, this time, the humans uh, triggered it early. Uh, so the aliens, xenomorphs, they wake up and they start, you know, breeding and all that crap. The problems that I, I've had with it, you know, are still there. You know, the, the predator teaming up with the, the human, regardless if she's a female or not, you know, predator, their their uh, whole th culture is to fucking honor, right? And they're above everybody. So man or woman, they would not pick a human to fight alongside. So that's such a stupid aspect. And then two, it's just like traditional for the time shaky cam. Like we want to see predator and alien fight. Do not cut away from the action. Do not cut back to the human characters, which we do not care about which unfortunately i do a lot of this film that being said though it's super fun to see the queen alien breaking out and the xenomorphs hunting and the predators going at it it's really freaking cool i wish there was more of it but the stuff that we saw i thought was extremely well done especially the um the warrior um alien that kind of gets his own character right usually they're just faceless enemies but this dude he takes out two predators and then he almost gets killed so it turns into like a he has a um, scar pattern on his head and then we see him throughout and like you can root for him, root against him, whatever. But it's super cool to see them go at it. So bullshit aside, uh, I think it's still a solid film. And I gave it a three and a half out of five. Very nice. Uh, all right. My last one tonight, 2023 release. Movie called The Stationary Bike. This one actually based on a Stephen King story. Props Stephen King sold the rights to this for $1 to the filmmakers. So uh, kudos to him for doing that. This movie is very low budget indie, but yeah, so this one is about a, a gentleman who goes to the doctors and the doctor is basically like, listen, you're very overweight. Your cholesterol is really high. You're putting yourself in an early grave. So he, uh, you know, he, he takes this to heart and while walking one day, he sees an advertisement for a uh, stationary bike for sale. 
He buys the stationary bike, takes it home, and you know he 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 does the work. He ends up uh, losing a bunch of weight, super healthy and stuff. Sort of becomes an ex- an obsession riding on this stationary bike. And the more weight he loses, he starts to have these like weird dreams and visions of sort of workers on the street turning into zombies and stuff like that. And I'll just leave it at that. But yeah, you know, for a low budget movie, I thought it was done really well. It's really well acted. The makeup work is very poor though, like very bad, um, especially like the fat makeup on uh, our main actor here. It just like looks really, really bad. And then the zombie makeup on the construction workers is is really poor as well. But other than that, I ended up uh, enjoying this one. You know, I think like any Stephen King story though, the ending leaves a lot to be desired. But you know, it's only 55 minutes long. So it's like a really easy breezy watch and yeah overall uh, it's not bad you could do a hell of a lot worse like steve could tell you finding these you know really low budget indie movies on tubi and whatnot so yeah, i gave it two and a half out of five for the effort uh, you know i think it's probably doesn't deserve maybe not even deserve that high of a rating but i think that uh, there was a lot of love put into it and i appreciate you know it for what it was so yeah that's the stationary bike yeah, Stephen King always sells his scripts for a dollar if he believes in the director. If it's a studio that buys it, then he goes full price. So I, I was a like I he did Shawshank was a dollar. Yeah, so just to go show you. Uh, so my last film movie of the week is a movie I watched over on Shutter. It's a 2020 film called Peninsula. So this is the spiritual sequel to Train to Busan. It's a Korean film. In this one, it takes place four at four years after the events of Train to Busan. Basically, Korea has been condemned and somehow they managed to contain the virus in Korea. So it's really the only place that you can't go to anymore. It follows a character who, you know, he kind of lost everything as he was escaping Korea. And he doesn't have much to live for anymore. He has his brother-in-law that he's still with. And he gets a deal with some like criminals to go back to Korea uh, by boat to steal a truck full of American money because American money is still worth a lot in the real world. So he says, if you go get that truck of American money, we're going to give you half when you come back, which is essentially going to give him enough money to be able to kind of live a better life because apparently the people who escape from Korea are having a hard time in wherever they, they are because they're not given like full citizenship. So this would kind of buy them uh, freedom, which they don't currently have. So they go to this island and a bunch of stuff happens. Of course, there are people who still live in Korea and they're still kind of running rampant. You have the typical uh, like big gang that is kind of running the streets in in that city in Korea. And then you have the family who isn't part of that big gang who are just trying to survive and get off the island. Uh, they get captured by the gang and then they have like fucking pit fights with zombies it's a very like basic zombie plot the best way i could describe this movie is if and i hate to say this and i'm sorry it doesn't i don't want to make it mean like it's an awful thing but they really americanized <laughs> that train to busan it's like fast and the furious took over this franchise and like let's make our movie because it's a lot of car chases it's a lot of like, big action sequences and explosions and gunfights and stuff like that so it's really everything Train to Busan wasn't. Train to Busan was really about heart and passion and caring for people and helping each other out, whereas this one is just a essentially a big action horror film. As a zombie film, 
and like a entertainment piece. I actually liked it. You know, it's it's ridiculous at times, but it was super high action. I was never bored. There, like I said, there are great like fight scenes. There are great car scenes. It was an it was a thrilling ride. You know, so I do appreciate it as a zombie film, but as a fucking sequel to Train to Busan, fuck that film. Like it is nothing like Train to Busan. It should just remove the name and just call it Peninsula because it, other than it happening within the same world. It has nothing to do with Train to Busan whatsoever. There's no returning characters. They don't reference the events of Train to Busan other than the zombie apocalypse. So I gave it a three and a half because I did enjoy watching it. But it's disappointing that one of my favorite horror films ever, Train to Busan, has such a essentially sequel that doesn't do it just justice at all. Man, I hated that movie. I'm surprised you liked it so much, honestly. It's, it's fun. Like, it's, yeah. you know, if you take out the Train to Busan name on it, I think it's just one of those, like, fun... Mm. You know, that Korean car zombie was super movies. reliable whatever they were using oh my god yeah it was the- <laughs> <laughs> like thousands of zombies are just plowing through them like Jesus. The, the, the five-year-old driving it yeah <laughs> <laughs> mario kart man start them early <laughs> right <laughs> all right trivia let's do it all right so the points are as follows joe in a commanding lead at 11 myself in second place with eight and steve with a solid six. Oh, let's get Ooh. it done who, who would like to go first I'll start us off tonight. Are you wearing a Teen Wolf shirt, Joe? No, it's Pennywise. Okay, it's all like yeah. the head. And all right. <laughs> I wonder if they are Teen Wolf. I wish. So I want one. I'm there's sure gotta be. Yeah, there's <laughs> gotta be. All right, so I'm starting. I'm doing something a little different tonight for my first. Uh, it's sort of a new little Ooh. game here. Okay. So I'm gonna go on IMDb, and I'm gonna give you a bunch of information, okay. and you try to guess the movie. Thought we're doing right, strip so- trivia, but okay, this works too. <laughs> So this movie currently sitting at a 4.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Got it. In 18 Metascore. (laughs) Cast of characters. Paige Prescott. Adam Carr. Kate Davies. Dorothy Wheeler. Lily Voigt. Are those characters or actors? actors These are the characters. No, these are the characters. What was the last one you said? Lily... I'll, I'll repeat the character. Okay, thank you. Paige Prescott, Adam Carr, Kate Davies, Dorothy Wheeler, Lily Voigt, Shelley Fisher. Director, Jamie Blake, Jamie Blanks, and the writers, Tom Savage, Donner Powers, and others. And others. <laughs> this movie also won a chainsaw award for worst film of the year details the year and it won and it was nominated for a teen choice award for a favorite horror movie oh, oh go, fig- go figure <laughs> um slender man incorrect oh i didn't give you the year either i'll give you the year too 2001 oh jesus 2001 that's it's a lot of information there. That's a lot of information that <laughs> None of them tells me about. nothing. <laughs> it's a whole lot of talk with nothing, no substance at all. I have no fucking idea. Like 2001, what the fuck would have been? Is that this a sequel? Or is this just an original? It is not a sequel. Okay. Worst film Chainsaw Award, huh? Yeah, I have no, no freaking clue. Me neither. All right. Well, you should have thought about tonight's theme. For Valentine's Day, because the movie is Valentine. Oh, yeah. Ugh, that movie sucks. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> all right. All mine are 
on behalf of Kayla, thank you very much. Um, so you guys have to go closest within 500 years, give or take, okay? 500 years, okay. Yes, and here's the question. What year did Ash get transported back to in the Army of Darkness? Oh, God. I'm going to go... 2,000 two years. I'm going to go no, I need the, six, need, 600. I need the year. Oh, you need the actual the damn year. year. 600. Uh, All right. <laughs> um, I'd say 1600s. 16... Oh, the 1600s? Sure. I fucking suck at math. The answer is 1300. Yeah, he, he's good. <laughs> Joe gets the point. Okay. <laughs> That's Damn yeah. it. He's at 12 points now. Son of a bitch. Yeah. All right. Teen Wolf shirt. So mine are all <laughs> Steve Originals tonight. <laughs> this is a regular question. Okay. What's the title of the Halloween slash horror special that Mike Myers was a star of? Oh. Oh. That was that was a thing. I don't even I don't even know what this was. That just was if you listen to it carefully, you might have an idea of what it, it could be. So what's the title of the Halloween slash horror special that Mike Myers was the star of? Halloween horror special. No. Yeah, <laughs> that that's the type of movie, but not <laughs> Halloween. I was thinking of something from Halloween 6, but I might be way off on that. No, no, that's nothing. No? Okay, that was wrong. Mike yeah, Myers, not, not even, Michael Myers. I'm not even sure. Oh, Mike Myers. Hey, Mike oh, Mike Myers. My oh, okay, I was thinking Michael Myers. <laughs> this fucking failed poet. Okay, the, yeah. rephrase, Okay, now that I know the actor. Okay. Um, Austin Powers Halloween special. Wrong. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, Shrek. I need a Halloween title. Oh. It, it is a Shrek. No. So. Because I've seen this, uh, I can't. I don't know what it's called. Uh, Shrek's Shrek and Donkeys Halloween Spectacular. No, you want to give a shot, uh, Todd? Um, sure. Shrek's Halloween Extravaganza. No. So <laughs> the movie is called Scared Shrekless. Okay. Oh, I like it. Mm -hmm. Fun. It's actually pretty fun too. Yeah. Yeah, I watched it recent. Like I want to say within the last couple of years. Well, yeah, it was fun. Okay, back to me. Mm -hmm. Match the killer to the movie. Okay. Charlie Walker. My Bloody Valentine? Incorrect. Charlie Walker. Uh, the Prowler? Incorrect. <sighs> Shit balls. I can't think of anything else. He had a sidekick <laughs> as well. <laughs> killer sidekick, huh? So there's two. Uh, Valentine. Incorrect. Damn it. I thought you were going Valentine again. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. All right. Well, last week I gave you Roman from Scream 2. Tonight I'm giving you Charlie Walker oh. from Scream 4. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah. Along with Jill Roberts, his uh, uh, okay. partner in crime. Got it. All right. Um... In the House on a Haunted Hill remake, mm. how much money would you win by staying the night? A million. Million. Million, correct. Steve with the first million. Yes. All right. So this is Guess the Movie based off the IMDb review. Ooh. Okay. So you have four. There, there are four possible, uh, the, four clues that I'm giving out to okay. pick you know, your choice wisely. Two things I took away from this. Necrophilia has never been hotter, 
And Julie's best friend Nora is definitely a lesbian. I just know. <sighs> Julie's best Ooh. friend Nora. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Just once, can we get a movie where John Malkovich's character isn't frustratingly insane? I don't think it's too much to ask. Warm bodies. Correct. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All next right. one's where Dave Franco's eyebrows make me uncomfortable, and I don't know why. <laughs> and the last one was the literal apocalypse can happen, and emo dudes will still get demented sense of ownership towards any thin, <laughs> thin blonde thing that treats them with basic dignity. I like it. Nice. That's a good movie, man, and a good book too. Mm. Stand by that book. Jump. Back to me. Yeah. All right. Last one. I swear to God. Last one. Axe murder questions. I'm gonna <laughs> protest. Woman. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, all right. So uh, three letterbox reviews. Mm. You guess the movie. Mm. All right. This has to be one of my most watched '80s slashers. It was also one of my first hard DVDs I bought many, many years ago. My I also Valentine. remember being... Correct. You yeah. fuck. I, I, <laughs> dude, that's basic. Are you wearing you fucking, a shirt? <laughs> damn it. I'm like, someone's going to fucking ask one, and I'm going to be ready for it. Shit. <laughs> I was barely listening to what he was saying. I just knew, like, inherently that that would be it. Lucky, it's lucky. Insane. This is uh, the second one was good. It's insane that this movie only has one remake and that's it. No plethora of sequels, reboots, spinoffs, or anything. It is very strange. It is, yeah. It's yes. a great killer. And then, and then the last one of all the stupid ass things used in slasher movies have ever done, getting drunk and going down into a mine has to be top three worst ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Closest within two. Okay. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many times does Tree? Die in Happy Death Day. That's her name, right? Tree. That's not a typo. I don't know. I don't fucking care. <laughs> the main character in Happy Death Day. How many times does she yes. die? A lot. I'm gonna go with twenty-five. Both of you incorrect. The right answer is eleven. Really? That's oh, it? That, that little? Wow. Yeah. I thought she died. A, I thought they did a montage of her dying, oh. <laughs> like in uh, Groundhog Day. Two. Take it up with Kayla. Okay. Yeah, I think so. But it could be be two. Yeah. All right. So my last one tonight is guess a movie based off the IMDb trivia. I like these. So there's there's four of them in total, just so you know. Okay. First one. The liquor's nickname on set was Clint. The liquor's the liquor. Yeah. Part number two. Body count. Eighty-eight. Ooh. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Next one. The makeup department and crew had a hard time dealing with the dogs who kept licking the zombie makeup. Resident blood. Evil. That's right. <laughs> I had it in the first one, but I'm like, let me make sure. Yeah. Eighty-eight. Oh yeah. Because of the office workers. Yeah, every, yeah the whole the first scene. Uh, was like, okay. Yeah. yeah. I like that movie. It's. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it, it's like Peninsula it's for me. One. It's a yeah. good movie, but it's not a Resident Evil thing. You know, to yeah. me. Definitely yeah. the best one out of that series, though. Oh yeah, I, I you know four I don't mind too much either. Is that the prison one? Yeah, it's the one that has uh, like Chris Redfield and Jill Valentine with the mm. thing. Like, yeah, I, I how many are there? Like seven, like seven, six or seven. Yeah, mm. yeah. Wow. What's that new movie and then the show? And I think I stopped after like two or three. I don't think I carried on. Yeah, four, four is good. After that, it gets too yeah. ridiculous. All right. Tonight's numbers two piece for me and Steve. Joe with one. Joe still commands the lead with 12. Myself, 10. And Steve, eight. 
let's do <laughs> so I married an ex-murder. Shouldn't there be a comma after so? Am I just being no mean? Mm, so no. like you're if you're saying it in like a conversation, so I married an axe murder. You wouldn't say like so I married an axe murder. Doesn't no, doesn't it's it's actually so duh. I marry. <laughs> oh, <get it. laughs> oh wait, I marry. I hate him Ed. so much. <laughs> With a fucking cigarette, fucking hipster bitch. <laughs> All right, ninety-three. Thomas Shalom. I probably said that name wrong. Director. Uh, the honeymoon was killer. Just after a bad breakup, Charlie McKenzie falls for lovely butcher Harriet Michaels and introduces her to his parents. But as voracious. Uh, consumers of sensational tabloids his parents soon come to suspect that harriet is actually a notorious killer named mrs x wanting a connection with a string of bizarre honeymoon killings thinking his parents foolish charlie proposes to harriet this is not right right the parents no it's a, no they never suspected <laughs> yeah, they loved her from like day one who, what the fuck is this, this that's where the uh the newspaper comes from and right. she, the mom does mention that it could be and that's what starts his suspicion, but that's it. That's nothing more than that. Oh, okay. Well, blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> so we are introduced to Charlie, played by Mike Myers, not Michael Myers. Um, he's in this 90s hipster comedy slash coffee bar, which I fucking cannot stand. But we learn through a conversation with him and his best friend, who happens to be a police detective in San Francisco, that he has commitment issues. So he always finds something wrong with the relationship he's in, leads to the breakup, and which also leads to his if you want to call it comedy or poetry, whatever it is, routine in this little hipster bar. Uh, eventually, he uh, buys some meat uh, from a butcher, and it's a girl, that, you know, hot blonde that he likes. So he goes to talk to her. They make uh, spark up a relationship, and he, you know, eventually falls in love. And uh oh, here comes the cold feet again. But now is is he legitimately thinking that she's a fucking serial killer? Because a lot of things point to her uh, having connections to the news article. For example, one of the men that was killed was like a uh, martial arts expert and she has martial arts stuff in her apartment and she's very vague and why she has it. So he's like, what the fuck? So we're, we're kind of going along with Charlie. Like, is it because he has commitment issues or is she really a killer? And he decides to just take the plunge and date her and go all out. This is the first time since probably the 90s watching it. Uh, it used to be on TV quite a bit and I had fond memories of it. But oh boy, I did not. This one was hard, man, because I I still have that his stupid song in my head. It was got to the point where it was just nonstop repeat, nonstop repeat in my head. Whoa, man! Whoa, man! I'm like, who would? Does anyone like this form of entertainment? Because I please in the 90s though, like beat like beat yeah, poetry beat, like that was like yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. like popular. He's so awful. <laughs> oh my god like he you know what charlie you're the fucking problem you're the common denominator and everything like you whiny fuck but okay so the things i liked about it were i think it had some legitimate heart in it but i loved his friend the detective and the detective's captain i thought those guys were super fun and i would love to see a movie about them especially when the captain's like trying to be firm and badass and stuff but it's just not him but he's like he's like did i go too much with the racial stereotypes no captain you did great but overall wasn't in this movie but what do you guys have to say yeah i have like super fond memories of this movie from my childhood because like you said todd it was like on tv all the time for whatever reason this came out like 
at the peak, I guess, of Mike Myers' popularity. Well, I don't know if Austin Powers would count, but like Wayne, this was right at Wayne's, Wayne's World. Was, yeah. Like, yeah, like right after Wayne's World and like him on SNL and stuff like that. So this was definitely at a very popular time in Mike Myers' career. Yeah, so I, it's been a while since I'd seen it. But honestly, rewatching it, like I felt like I was, it felt like I was like watching it for like the hundredth time. Like, honestly, I remembered like everything about it. And Sammy even was like, how do you remember like all of these likes? Because I kept singing you know, all this poem poetry because I have I have it like memorized for whatever reason. Um, you know, it's fine. You know, it's like it's a very lighthearted, you know, type movie. You know, when the horror does come in towards the end, it's kind of like a interesting like who done it. Like is it actually Harriet or is it someone else involved? We'll get into it. I honestly didn't see the killer coming um I think they do a pretty good job kind of keeping it uh, mysterious. But yeah, I mean, you know, there it has its moments of being pretty funny. I agree. I love the uh, the the friend and the detective. I really love just random scenes like Phil Hartman and Alcatraz. <laughs> it was just just maybe one of my favorite parts in the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's like a good cast of characters here. Was it necessary for Mike Myers to play his father as well? I don't know if that one hits as well. But yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. You know, it. I didn't remember it as fun, like watching it this time. I didn't love it as much as I did when I was younger, but you know, overall I, I had a pretty fun time with it. Romantic comedies are not exactly like what I love in movies. So, you know, it's just not exactly a movie that would appeal to me normally. I do like Mike Myers though. And I like the nineties, uh, like comedies and stuff like that. So I thought it was a fine film. Like it's not great by any means, not even that good. I don't think I'd ever watch it again, but I had a good enough time watching it. Uh, there's just some really random shit about this movie that I like. Uh, his family, I thought were entertaining. You got, I mean, himself as the dad, who sounds just like he does when he's Fat Bastard in Austin Powers 2 and 3. Uh, not so much Shrek. A lot of people are saying he's like Shrek, but I, I fear more the Fat Bastard than I do Shrek. And then you have the pigeon lady from Home Alone 2 as his mom and Averman from Mike Ducks as his uh, brother with the big head. Like, there's a whole scene where his brother's just, like, sitting in front of the TV and his dad's making a thousand jokes about how big of a head he has. And I, I love, like, random shit like that. Like, that made me laugh. Like, I'd almost rather watch a movie about his family than I would about Mike Myers trying to date this girl. You know, that's the romantic comedy part of it. Like, the romantic part, I didn't really dig that much. Uh, it was also a stretch. I mean, like, she he goes to a butcher... And she's just a little busy and he's like, hey, I'll work for you because I've done this before. And she's like, yeah, sure. Come into my business and handle the knives and all my expensive meat and no problem. Dude, so many health codes violated in that <laughs> <Yeah>. one scene. <laughs> no kidding. That was a great scene, though. And, like and when he throws, he like throws the meat. like this Right. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, like, did he work there for like a month or something? Because there's this huge montage. But no, that was all one day, apparently. And then, and then they, they bone that night, correct? uh yeah uh, not that night they, no. they bone is it that night did they bone i thought it was because they went from the montage to them Maybe. dating and then then boning i'm like no showers in between right <laughs> we're working in the butcher shop all day guys we got meat yeah uh, yeah it's just stuff like that that was kind of ridiculous uh i actually saw the killer coming a mile away i mean i figured they didn't bring amanda Plummer just to fucking be a background character essentially like played for last so I, I had a feeling that they used her specifically 
to be the killer because I, I knew it wouldn't be like the main girl that just wouldn't make sense you know in 90s romantic comedy the fucking poetry oh god i just it reminds me of college so when i was in college i i did mostly film but i also had like art classes that i had to take as part of my program and i'd mix in with all the other arts and there were people that were super pretentious like that in kind of the more artsy <laughs> things part of the program and they remind me of them just i couldn't with especially the first one where he's blowing out the candle and you know he's pointing to everything and the music that's matching his beats it was just so fucking cheesy um and like uh joe said the random cameos were just entertaining i love phil hartman taken way fucking too soon because he's amazing i think you have michael richards at some point like super random cameo and uh, that was entertaining but it's not a great film but i enjoyed it question question for you guys how, how the hell does charlie afford a apartment in san francisco <laughs> <laughs> off of like a one a month gig at a at a coffee shop explain it to yeah me. i i don't know <laughs> he must have a, some other job we, we're not really uh introduced to i guess because it's not important to the plot but yeah i i will say like san francisco looks really great in this movie like i you know i've never visited or anything like that it's but like after watching this i was like place looks like a really nice place to visit it's not it's not. <laughs> it smells like pee. <laughs> Speaking of which, well, did you see her plenty, fucking plenty apartment? Of <laughs> like, yeah, she's a butcher. <laughs> well, she, well, she had three ex-husbands. Yeah, I guess so. Right? Alimony. I... <laughs> yeah, but they were murdered. I don't know if she'd get uh, that money. I feel like um, that that case would have been solved extremely quickly if you someone would were to just look <laughs> at it like he did. <laughs> And yeah, it was, it was the nineties, you know, I guess, I guess DNA wasn't as, as strong yeah. back then, but <laughs> Especially um, after a wedding with like wedding photography and like all that. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> a few things I, I hated that I noted. Uh, I hate overly ridiculous gags. Like I, I get that they're trying to make it funny, but when they try too hard to make it funny, I don't like it. Examples of that. Uh, when he goes into the closet, instead of the uh, exiting the room, there's a bunch of shit that falls on his head that where the fuck did that shit come from? It makes absolutely no sense. From or the from the studio. Right. Walkway, Steve. <laughs> uh, and one thing that I hate this is he broke the fourth wall in one of the scenes for, for a gag when he gets kicked in the nuts and then he kicks her in the vag. <laughs> he like looks at the camera as he's doing it. And that I, I just don't like that. It just, that takes me right out of the fucking movie. So I thought maybe the movie tried too hard to be funny because there were some funny scenes, but when it's trying too hard, that doesn't work to me. Mm -hmm. Did you, I mean, I guess we can get right into it. Did you guys like ever suspect like Rose, Harriet's sister of being the killer? Yeah, the whole time because I knew Amanda Plummer was brought in for that. Like there's, why else would you get Amanda Plummer who just looks crazy (laughs) to to be in that (laughs) role? You know, that it would have been a wasted casting. And she was big at that time. That's around the time she did Pulp Fiction and stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I, I was convinced that was her from the second we met her. Uh, now I wish there was a bigger like body count. You know, for going on a horror podcast, uh, there's a body count of zero in this movie, unfortunately. <laughs> right. <laughs> it would have been cool to see her actually kill, but yeah, it wasn't a surprise to me. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, I thought they were like accomplices, like they were in on it together. Um, mm-hmm. but they didn't even handcuff her in the back of the police car. She just like is just straight <laughs> chilling and she's murdered three men and then probably more. No, she, she's <laughs> handcuffed. 
No, she's not. She puts yeah. her hands on the back of the, the, she, the truck. She's, ha- she's handcuffs from the front. Well, that's not even good either. Having I know. I noted it down. I'm like, why the fuck <laughs> is she like so loose with her handcuffs? Yeah, they're just like, all right, let's drive this murderer back. No biggie. Jeez. Um, Rose, jailbird. Oh God! Shut ah! up. I can't, I can't, dude. And then he's on the rooftop, and he's like got the jazz band that woo yeah. her back. I'm like, this girl should have left him. But it, but a couple a couple funny quotes. Uh, when Mike Myers is uh, describing one of his girlfriends that she smells like beef and vegetable soup, I thought that was a funny line. And uh, his his dad, when he's like, go try on one of your mom's bras, you wee girl, like just randomly. Um, but what's up with Charlie's mom making out with Charlie's friend? <laughs> she's a horny old lady, you know? <laughs> and then they're at the wedding and she's like trying to pull up his uh, kilt too. <laughs> <laughs> she's got like her finger in his ass crack and that like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I will say the I I love this scene when uh he has the the piper goes down from because he's playing he has him playing the solo of uh what was it if you want my body uh yeah that shit was funny <laughs> yeah and we my, have a piper my, down <laughs> my funniest scene is uh the breakfast scene where she offers him like mm. this great breakfast and it's just Fruit Loops <laughs> Fruit Loops yeah <laughs> he, he's trying to sell it like eh, all right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought uh, another part I found funny was when he starts getting paranoid. He starts suspecting maybe Harriet really is the killer. And like he, they do this whole scene with the milkshake where like he won't drink the milkshake. Then they're in the bed and she's like, uh, she's like, what? I could kill you right now or whatever. And then she sticks the th- his, uh, her finger in his ear. He's like, ah, ah, and like freaks out. I thought that was pretty funny. Milkshake my ass. That looked like a fucking... <laughs> <laughs> like water with food coloring. It was a smoothie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I also thought I also enjoyed Stephen Wright uh, as the pilot. <laughs> well, yeah, right. he like falls asleep. <laughs> it was a fun little cameo. Mm. Um, I like the line too, where uh, she's asking what he sees in a woman, and uh, what's he say? He says, uh, "I know people say sense of humor, but I really have to go with breast size." <laughs> that was like a great like delivery that he did. Oh, and I had some trivia lined up too, in case we I ran out of them. But do you know what horror movie was filmed in that comedy club? Ooh, like in the comedy club he does the poetry in? I'm sorry, in the in the the final act in that big. Oh, hotel. the oh. poets poets corner hotel. Yeah, I really liked that setting. It, it was like it, really it, like uh, creepy and it, cool it, looking. It kind of looks like Rocky Horror, but it wouldn't be because it's it's probably in like London. It was Phantasm. Oh. Oh. Okay. Nice. Fun fact. Cool. I love yeah, I loved that setting. That was that was a great little place. And like the storm I thought added to mm-hmm. like sort of the creepiness to it and stuff. So it was yeah, I I like that whole thing when they go to Poets Corner. I like that whole sort of scene with like you know, him like being like kind of nervous of Harriet and Harriet acting really weird and stuff like that. I, I, I enjoyed all that. So Charlie, is he like legit a good guy? Because he, he has some pretty shitty moments that I'm like why is it like it's played for laughs but to me there's a lot of red flags with this guy uh, for example the scene where they're going to pay for the check when they're out on um i think they're on a double date right and him and his brother had go through this whole routine like no you pay the check you pay the check you pay the check when neither of them actually intended to pay the check they wanted her to pay the check so that was a weird scene to me like i don't know it just came Charlie's off a as piece of cheap, shit man right yeah yeah he's got major he's red flags like, he's not a well, he's, I mean, he has relationship problems. Like, he has some really, like, bad uh, sort of 
characteristics for sure like he can't commit to women and stuff like I th- that so. i think it's it's pretty terrible that he puts his ex-girlfriends without their um consent in his, in yeah, their his pictures show. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's basically just up. fucking them over and like yeah. if from it like steve said whatever we see of him like he's not the greatest person so like putting them on blast is kind of <laughs> shitty yeah and she stole my hot and my cat <laughs> yeah um that was kind of funny you gotta say yeah that was funny his (laughs) flirting is super awkward too he's like dancing like a ballerina he's doing all these like weird like movements and dances and little eyes he does yeah yeah he makes these weird jokes like oh god yeah (laughs) i read i read one review is like the the most um the hardest thing about this plot is believing that cat is casting Mike Myers in a lead fucking romantic comedy role. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I do miss those like crazy newspapers though. Like uh, we talked about it a few episodes oh, ago. I don't yeah. remember which we episode. Were on the news, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I miss those fucking crazy. Yeah. Those crazy newspapers. They gotta be. So we gotta, let's research this. There's gotta be some kind of publications. Well, on, on like the onion, I guess is kind of like that uh, now. Uh, yeah. yeah. But they're, they're more they serious. Probably... Weekly World News probably still has like a website, but like, yeah, like they're not obviously like at the checkout. St- I just remember them like as yeah, a kid, the, the checkout the stand. It. Yeah. That's, yeah. it did. Yeah. 100%. Dude, I... Yeah. And what's, yeah. Uh, what's one that you remember? I remember Bat Boy, of course. Bat Boy, classic. I remember um, Hitler still alive. I remember that headline. Um, heads in a jar. Mm-hmm. I've heard that one. Uh, my favorite one because I, I my mom used to buy it for me because I enjoyed it so much. And the one that really strike that really like I remember vividly was uh, the Pope resurrected will fight current Pope for, uh, for, for like to become new Pope or something like that. And I, there's a picture of the two popes like <laughs> squaring up. I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be a good Tubi movie. Yeah, right. Good times. I'll have you know it's the eighth highest circulating paper in the world. Really? That's, that, that was the line from the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, that's all I had, basically. His oh, dad's it. kind of an asshole, too, though, because he yeah, makes he fun is. of the, his son re- relentlessly. Relentless. So it's he's funny, like though. fucking 13 or something. Right. He doesn't even get though. a line in the movie, I don't think, poor kid. He mm-hmm. just gets made fun of. You want to hear some of the best Weekly World News headlines of all time? Of course. Absolutely. All right. Garden of Eden found. U.S. grows new tree from seed. What? Um, oh, okay. From Garden of Eden. Yeah, that was from the Garden of Eden. <laughs> okay. yeah. Clinton hires three-breasted intern. <laughs> <laughs> you got that from uh, Total Recall. Right. <laughs> Alien and Slammer after fist fight with Bill over Hillary. <laughs> It's a lot of Hillary. I guess that was really popular when in Hillary the 90s. Yeah, right. Yeah. Hillary Clinton adopts alien baby. Uh, three legged skater band. I've seen Elvis in the flesh. Mermaid cemetery discovered. Baby born with tattoo of solar system. So there you go. There's plenty of other ones Kinda here. Like but, water you world know. Plot. <laughs> yeah, right, World's exactly. strongest. <laughs> World's strongest granny is 84 years old. That one isn't even that far fetched. I feel like <laughs> right. I've seen stuff like that. <laughs> oh, half man, half alligator, classic. Oh yeah, that's a that's a classic for sure. <laughs> so All right, well, what's our what's our our final rating for this, Ben? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we decided to do something a little different than our normal thing for you know 
uh, Valentine's Day. So, you know, going a little out of our wheelhouse here, uh, doing a comedy rather than a horror movie. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's fine. I had a good time watching it. Do I think it's anything amazing? Absolutely not. But it's it's lighthearted. It has moments of fun. Yeah, it's okay. I give it a three out of five. I don't like it. <laughs> I, I, I just don't think Charlie is a good person and he's an asshole and Harriet is a sweet girl and she deserves better. Two out of five. Yeah, see, I, I'm, I guess I feel like in between you two. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. But somehow I still ended up with the same score as Todd. So I also gave it two out of five. Uh, I'm happy I watched it. It was, it was a cool to kind of visit something lighter for the show. And I, I'd like to know if people want us to keep doing this, like this one time a year where we pick more of a like it's com- romantic comedy as opposed to with horror elements. Of course, we wouldn't just pick fucking, you know, <laughs> she's all that or something. But like my boyfriend's back or something. Oh, like yeah, that. my boyfriend's yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for this time of year. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My boyfriend's back is a lot more horror than well, it's, yeah, this it's about one, a zombie, right? Yeah. So at least right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'd be more like warm bodies, I guess, than mm-hmm. and there's actual kills in it. Oh yeah. that, that was disappointing. I really wish there was a you know, they had that whole scene like almost like clue at the end where they could have just yeah. popped off mm-hmm. some of the people at that dinner at the end. Mm-hmm. Just add to yeah. the account. Yeah. I mean, in real realistically though, yeah, I mean Rose would have been fucking found a lot earlier i think after and like how yeah i don't it's interesting because like her husbands keep dying and disappearing and the cops are just like oh okay like would they be tailing her or something like that yeah it doesn't make any sense too because from her point of view they left her but then they turn up dead the first person you would have gone to is her because she's not like in hiding because she didn't do anything wrong in her opinion right so she has no reason to disappear so yeah it's a huge plot hole if you look at it yeah and like what was rose's like end game like if she killed charlie there like is that like a fucking like huge like is that like this massive like hotel bed and breakfast like how would she have gotten the body like out right. of there without <laughs> anyone just like noticing <laughs> she really didn't think this one through that rose no no she didn't and <laughs> i'm also curious like he's not that successful <laughs> so it's not like what <laughs> i don't know she just likes killing her husbands i guess yeah. yeah, I think, um, you know, a year after this movie, he's probably given up the stupid routine and is working in the butcher shop. And they work there until they're 45 years old. And that's it. Or not 45 years old, but yeah, I was gonna say, know, 45 yeah, years in the that's future. That's a great job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I think he'd continue with that because right after the events of the movie, he's back, right back into his fucking, you know, poetry. poetry. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but his, his material's done, though, after that. I'm yeah. sure he'll find, he'll find something else. I'm sure. <laughs> I still love toe. He'll probably divorce Harriet <laughs> really and then have hard. a new poem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate him. <laughs> uh, fun fact, fun trivia fact Nancy Travis actually was so distracted by Mike Myers during the butcher shop scene that she accidentally cut off the tip of her middle finger. Mm. So there you go. Nice. I guess he is charming. <laughs> Maybe. That's uh, what else do I got here? Sharon Stone was initially set to play the role of Harriet. Oof, hottie. That would have been a different movie. No, but Steve, the end, the end song should be "There She Goes" for this podcast. Oh this my episode. god! Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. God, they play that song fucking five times in the movie, and every time there's a montage, it's "There She Goes." 
oh god that's i hate they do that so much in the 90s where they stick to one song awful interesting mike myers was in the makeup chair for three and a half hours when playing his dad like i feel like there wasn't even that much prosthetics like involved in that one yeah it was <laughs> i feel like so he just put on old man so glasses obviously <laughs> mike myers, when you look at him like they fail yeah yeah all right we all done for this episode gents yeah all right, guys, that is going to be it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed our review of So I Married an Axe Murderer. The next few weeks, we're going to be doing staff picks. Uh, so I was first up, so uh, I decided to pick 1990-somethings, Urban Legend. <laughs> so yeah, one I haven't watched in a while. I've been wanting to revisit it, so I'm excited to check that out. We have the whole schedule, actually. We have a schedule like over the next month. You can check it out over on um, our Discord, um, which is the best way to check out, uh, to follow the podcast. Uh, all you got to do is send us a uh, DM, and we will get you a link to that Discord. It is completely free to join. Uh, you can also follow us on any of our other social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Or you can email us at any time, the horror squad podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, don't forget Texas Frightmare weekend coming up in May. If you want to come join us, there's going to be a lot of fellow listeners there as well as Steve and I. So yeah, it's going to be a great time. Hopefully you make it out for that. We'll see you guys next week for urban legend, but don't forget immediately following this, we have our interview with Steve Patrick Ray. Patrick Wright. All right, so enjoy, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Welcome back, everyone, to the Horror Squad podcast, where today we have a very special guest. He is the writer and director of the new film, They Wait in the Dark, which you can find digitally today on VOD. Patrick Ray. Thanks for coming on the show, Patrick. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about what They Wait in the Dark is all about? I would categorize it as a supernatural thriller um it kind of starts off as a thriller where it's a mom and her son and they're on the run uh from somebody we later find out it's her ex-girlfriend and the mom and son take refuge in her childhood home which is on a farm in kansas kind of in the middle of nowhere and while they're staying in the, on the um, in the house they start experiencing something very supernatural and like basically the house is haunted and uh, from there, it gets, it, you know, it takes some turns and some surprises, but then, you know, we've got the threat on the outside, which is basically the Judith character who's coming after her. And then she feels like she's trapped inside the house. And so I kind of wanted to make it feel like that specific character has nowhere to go. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the main crux with, I don't want to say anything about the last act of the film. So Right, absolutely. <laughs> um, what was your inspiration in wanting to tell this particular story? Um, you know, I, I've always wanted to make a ghost story movie. I, I've done other, um, I've stuck to the horror genre, but I've done different, different subgenres of horror and I hadn't made a haunted house movie before. So I was trying to come up with a fresh spin on, on a haunted house movie. Cause I felt like everything's been done to death, um, in every var variation. There's what, 200 Amityville movies at this point. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, I got to come up with something fresh. So I, I, you know, I wanted to combine it with a thriller and kind of make it something that felt felt a little bit newer to the audience and and something that had some surprises um and i I've, I've told people this before but for me the biggest problem with a lot of haunted house movies is that i always am like why do they stay you know just get in the car and leave and so i think any normal person would probably once they see some stuff move around or something they'd be like okay we're out of here so i try to give the audience enough 
of a reason for them to believe that she wouldn't actually leave because she feels like she's hiding from something else that's more, you know, of a real threat. And by the time she realizes what's actually happening in the house, it's too late because the real threat is is closing in on her. So for me, that was kind of my solution to coming up with something that I felt like was kind of a newer vantage point on the haunted house story. First, thank you for not making another Amityville film. We really don't need another Amityville film. Oh, yeah, film. <laughs> Amityville Thanksgiving. We've got so many Amityville movies at this point. Absolutely. Um, one thing that really struck me with this film is the really great performances from the cast. Sure. Uh, how is it working with those actors on set, given how dark of a story this was? <laughs> so, yeah, I wrote the script specifically for Sarah McGuire because um, we had worked together on several films. I actually did a couple of short films with her where she was playing parts that I felt like really dealt with psychological issues. And so I was like, we, we really need to make a feature film together. And she and I had talked about it. So I had written the script around her knowing that she was going to be the lead and, and really nail the performance. And um, as far as the other casting goes, the character of Judith is played by Laurie Winkle. And I've known her since the mid two thousands. Um, we were all kind of in the same uh group in in Lawrence Kansas because we all went to KU for film school but she and I had never actually gotten to work together on anything before she had been messaging me uh hey when are we finally going to work together so finally I you know I, I said I've got a role that you might be good for so she auditioned for it and um yeah so I, it, luckily Lori and Sarah had already known each other they've been friends so that created kind of a, a rapport that I thought you know would work because they're never really in the movie together until the final moments of the film. I mean, it helped that they were on set with each other all the time. Lori would hang out when we were, when she's, her scenes weren't being filmed. Um, so that kind of helped with the rapport, but yeah, it was funny. Cause like watching the movie, there's like a sense of like dread and it seems like nobody's, nobody's enjoying themselves, which couldn't be further from the truth because the second I would yell cut, um, you know, we would make some inappropriate jokes or whatever. And we kept it, Kept the, the the feel of the set very light. Great. Um, how much input did you have in some of the makeup designs for the supernatural elements in this film? Um, Jake Jackson was the makeup artist. I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because he, he's a fantastic makeup artist. And uh, he and I worked very closely together. We wanted to do kind of a, a Lucio Fulci kind of, you know, thing with her eyes and stuff like that, you know? And so um, we worked very careful, carefully together with it. He, you know, we, we had some examples that we were going back and forth with. Um, we wanted to obviously do something a little different. Um, you know, and one of those things, the actress was such a trooper because obviously the makeup took a long time and the contacts made her completely blind. So we were had to walk her, walk her around the, the, you know, the house. So she didn't trip on anything because the house really looked like that for the most part. Um, that wasn't production design. We were very, very lucky because you're making a low budget movie in 12 days. You don't have a lot of time and money to find a location and set dress it. Right. Um, and then you have to pay. For, if somebody actually lives in the house, you got to pay for them to stay in a hotel the whole time. So we were able to find a house that was basically abandoned since like 2008 or something like that. And mm -hmm. that everything that was in there was still in there. So, but we had to make that house like actually a little safer. I mean, they were like, rat poop drop right. droppings everywhere there was a snake skin that was so long in the basement and we're like where's the snake jeez oh, <laughs> so those are the things that like you you know it, it, we we were dealing with but i mean it was pretty straightforward the only thing that was a little frustrating about or 
I wouldn't say frustrating, but challenging about shooting in that house was it was being renovated as we were filming. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's one of those things where they're like, the kitchen's going to have new cabinets tomorrow. So you better film all the scenes in the kitchen now. All right. right. Okay. <laughs> and the next day we came back and there were, there were cabinets and we filmed overnight. So it was one of those things where we would get in at 5 PM just as the, the construction people were leaving, you know? So, um, but yeah, it, it, it was, um, I, I've, I've gone on so many tangents. Sorry. That's all good. It's great. <laughs> With the makeup, the makeup was, we definitely collaborated very well and he's worked on a lot of my projects. So, um, I always know that it's going to be good working with him. Awesome. Um, you've written and directed a lot of horror projects in your career. Uh, which horror films or directors have inspired you as a filmmaker? Well, you know, it's interesting because it's like I was a kid in the 80s. So I, I always have sort of this 80s horror love, you know, like I mean, I was mm -hmm. John Carpenter is probably my favorite director. Um, his body of work from like 1978 to 1988, I think, is like the most amazing you know right <laughs> i'm like how many people had that many great movies in a row i mean obviously spielberg i i i'd be lying if 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 that wasn't an influence i love raiders of the lost ark is like my favorite movie of all time mm. so there's like a combination of horror and then like movies like that jaws um that i would say are inspiration um and continue to be so great um what is it about a horror films specifically that you like so much compared to other genres I think for me, it's in terms of making a horror movie, they, they definitely uh, lean, lean, lend themselves to low budget, you know, to, right. to micro budget filmmaking, because you, you can do them on a limited, uh, with limited resources and be creative and coming up with solutions on how to fix problems and, and uh, be clever in that way. Um, I don't know, like I was told not to watch horror movies when I was a kid in the 80s. And so I did anyway. So therefore, mm -hmm. it's like, I think if my parents had let me watch a bunch of horror movies in the 80s, maybe I'd have zero interest in them. I don't right. know. But it kind of worked out that way where I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I saw a meme the other day where I talking about how like they, they're like back in the 80s, you had like, you know, Nickelodeon was on your like last channel so that you could switch back to it really fast when your parents came upstairs. Right. And I remember doing that where I'd be watching a, a horror movie and then I'd hear my parents coming up the stairs and I'm like, all right, I'm switching it to Nickelodeon now. And then they, they would oh, obviously know what I was doing. But, uh, right. you know, well, I, they might not go to horror specifically. but Right, right, right. Yeah. So, you know, and, or like watching Cinemax through the scan lines back right, in the right. day and seeing a, a horror movie that way. I think that's how I watched one of the Friday the 13th movies back in the day. But mm -hmm. yeah, that's, I mean, I think for me, like um, I watch almost every, every horror movie that gets released. And uh, um, I feel like the genre is always, how many genres do you have like actual conventions for there's no romantic mm -hmm, right. comedy convention you know and every all the like the horror genre has so many subgenres. there's vampires you know ghost stories there's found footage so there, it's there's so many things that you can you know grab onto and enjoy right uh you were talking before about wanting to do films in different subgenres of horror uh mm -hmm. when deciding your next project what is it exactly you're looking for are you actually aiming for a certain subgenre, or are you just kind of looking for inspiration elsewhere? Um, it depends. Like I have an idea for, I, I have different ideas for different subgenres. Like I want to make a vampire movie and then, I, you know, I've got like one good, decent film footage idea that I might want to try mm -hmm. at some point. But, you know, it, it, it's, it, it just depends on what I think I can't get out of my head at the time, you know? Like mm -hmm. I feel like you just kind of know 
when you're settling on a project, you're like, okay, because I always tell people you better love it because it's a marathon making a feature because um, you got to stick with it to get it finished. And it can take a couple years. I mean, this one was probably our fastest turnaround. It was, we shot in 2021 and I had it mostly edited by December. And then we started doing, you know, obviously all this, this, the sound and color and stuff. But so, um, you know, I'm always looking at what I can accomplish too. Like I don't write a bunch of car chases in my films, though I definitely want at some point, I want to do one, but you know, whenever I'm making a horror movie, I'm thinking, okay, what can we actually achieve? Um, and that's what's great about horror is that you can achieve something effective. Like, look at Skinnamarink, which is like very minimalist mm-hmm. and has has made some waves because of that. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, is there any other projects that you're working on, or anything you'd like to promote uh, that's coming up? Well, I've got a couple of new short films that I shot over the fall. Um, and uh, one of them actually has Cooper Andrews, who plays Jerry yeah, in Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, so we shot that in November and I'm finishing up. The edit is pretty much locked at this point. So now it's moving to color and all that stuff. Um, and then um, I have a couple of features in the works. I'm always, I, I always try to get three or four maybes and maybe one of them will actually happen, right. you know? Um, and it's so funny because then I'll have a script that I write, I wrote and spent all this time on, and then I'll see like Blumhouse is making something that's exactly the same. So I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm glad I have three or four different options of projects I could be working on. Right. So, I mean, hopefully, fingers crossed, because we're in the fundraising, uh, you know, part of the process right now, which for me is like the most painful part of it, you know. <laughs> um, so hopefully we have something that we get going by the end of the year or hopefully maybe in the middle by the summer maybe we'll be shooting something awesome and if anyone uh, would like to kind of follow your career and see what's going on do you have any like social medias or anything that you can tell us yeah i'm on facebook i think i'm under patrick m ray my middle name is michael so patrick Mm -hmm. m ray i think i'm same on instagram um so you can follow like i'm always posting stuff about like where the movies are playing or what kind of coverage they're getting and stuff so i try to try to keep uh, everybody up to date on those things so and i'm on twitter as well and i think it's the same i kept it very everything kind of the same so people that's, can find me so that's awesome so yeah. thank you very much for coming on the thank show you. we really appreciate it they wait in the dark it can be seen today on video on demand thank you very much and i really appreciate your time thank you appreciate it thanks have a good one Make me horny, 
Saturday morning. Girls of cartoons won't leave me in ruins. I want to be Betty's Barney. Hey, Jane, get me off this crazy thing called love.